0: Welcome to the BPA University podcast. This episode, Optimizing Publisher Digital Ad Management Operations, originally broadcast on September 2nd, 2020. For more BPA University podcasts, check out iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.
1: Optimizing digital media management is a high cost challenge all publishers face. I've already told you about our four companies, But before I introduce Scott to moderate, uh, there was a story in Folio, which we've attached. It's available to you in its entirety as a PDF with today's presentation, Uh, but now almost a year and a half ago. Uh, Interestingly, I I love this quote, "AdOps are the air traffic controllers in the world of digital advertising. While the basics of targeting, trafficking, reporting and communicating are all core skills, These are most efficiently put to use by a team that also has a degree of knowledge about the broader technical picture, the fundamental interactions between their site, their browser, their serving platforms, and the client's supplied materials. The article goes on to say, publishers must take into consideration whether or not the AdOps team has been given the resources and organizational support it needs to thrive. And I think that's the key element of our our theme today do our members have the resource and organizational support they need to thrive? So without further ado, Scott Roulette, many of you know Scott, he's our VP of the Media Exchange uh, back since March of 2017. And prior to that has had various um, positions in programmatic, if you will, certainly at BBN Networks, the the first one for B2B. And then prior to that at Cygnus Business Media. So Scott, I'll turn it over to you. You tell me to advance the slides and I shall. Scott. Can you hear me? Can yeah, now.
2: Okay, very good. Th- thank you. Um, and welcome everyone this morning. Uh, I'm really delighted to have a, uh, a great list of panelists here that have uh, not only uh, some, some very uh, uh, impressive experience in digital ad- advertising, but also some, some unique perspective with the various companies that they represent. Uh, First, Reggie Hudson from Northstar Travel, uh, who is the Digital Operations Director. Uh, Previously, he spent a number of years in various companies at IBM, Overdeliver, Outdoor Sportsman Group, and uh, Reggie is supporting the uh, Northstar Travel uh, operations. Uh, Paul Salamoni, you want to go to the next slide, Glenn?
1: We go. You see it? Yep. Okay.
2: Yep. I can see it. Thank you. Uh, Paul Salamone is CEO of Media Fuse. Media Fuse is our technology partner that we began working with about a year ago, and they work with our publishers, uh, making the programmatic connections to our media exchange. Uh, Paul's business, Media Fuse, also provides an outsourced service for ad operations, has extensive experience both in the B2B space, B2C space, uh, spent time uh, with Interactive One, uh, prior to that, the World Wrestling Entertainment. I've never asked Paul uh, if he was uh, actually working on ad operations or if he was one of the wrestlers. Uh, if you meet Paul, you <laughs> might ask the same. Uh, but I, I, did, I, think he's I did a little of both. <laughs> Make you spent a fair amount of time uh, looking at that operations, and then next uh, we have Jeff Reeser. Uh, Jeff is uh, director of advertising strategy and operations at American Lawyer Media. Prior to that, uh, he was at Informa Engage uh, before after uh, it it acquired Penton and delighted to have Jeff. Worked with Jeff along a number of stops, uh, both in uh, uh, the Media Exchange and, and also um, in my prior life. And then last but not least, uh, we have Bob West, who is the Corporate Digital Director for uh, Meister Media. And uh, Bob will bring a, a an interesting perspective. He is on the front line with the customers and revenue and uh he he is the link between the business growth and he looks he he looks at the business he's accountable to uh both the the customers uh and their demands as well as reporting up to the uh the company and and supporting revenue so we're delighted to have the the group of panelists with us today i'll set if you go to the next slide glenn Let me set the stage for the topic. Uh, Historically, publishers would uh, set up their ad operations essentially as a replication of the print production, which really was an administrative function. But publishers are moving more and more of their attention towards digital. That is obviously uh, becoming increasingly complex, and the, uh, the skill sets required are changing quite a bit. Uh, Delivery alone, we know from the advertisers, uh, is not enough. They expect outcomes, they apply a variety of different measurements, and the media assets that a publisher manages has to meet an ever-growing list of industry standards. Then on the next slide. So, it is a challenge to meet these uh, changing customer demands. And it, uh, as I said, it requires a, a new set of skills. So, our panel will be able to share some of their experiences, the observations with their customers, and then looking ahead on, on what they expect in the future. Go to the next slide, Glenn. So, it is challenging, but Digital does open up a lot of new opportunities. Uh, like any uh, economic crisis we've experienced over the last 20, 30 years, uh, media disruption has simply has really been accelerated, uh, whether it was moving to the web, to digital media 20 years ago, um, and then 10 years ago on the uh, heels of the uh, financial crisis, uh, the, uh, the, the rapid adoption of, of programmatic, Uh, Digital has proven more more durable uh, during this particular pandemic, uh, but it also uh, creates an opportunity for publishers to scale the assets they have, take on more customers and bigger budgets. We can advance to the next slide. So if I'm a publisher, I'm very focused on five uh, areas uh, as it relates to my digital business. I've got to support the customers that I have now. Uh, position the business for growth, understanding that uh, what we have to support today will change tomorrow and all in the backdrop of uh, minimizing risk if I have skills that I need to bring in house to support the, the growth areas, um, the inherent uh, liabilities and risk with, uh, with hiring, uh, recruitment time, training and then retaining folks and uh, not to mention the fact that if I've got skill sets in house, if I only have one person, then uh, the lack of redundancy puts the uh, institutional knowledge at risk. And of course, all of that with this increased pressure on the, the cost structure of the businesses. Go to the next slide. So the three critical areas, and we'll talk about these with our panelists. Uh, First is the tech stack. As Glenn had referenced, uh, the ad server connectivity to the website, the newsletter platform, uh, the ad server setup. Uh, Publishers are no longer relying solely on their direct sales team to generate uh, all of the revenue and expose the assets to the ad community. And then of course the programmatic connectivity. Uh, Second, are the media assets themselves. Uh, That's the ad formats, the web page layout, viewability, audience data, uh, and including all of the industry standards that are required. And then finally, the execution of campaigns, whether that is a managed service, which is the more conventional method of trafficking campaign, where the publisher takes all of the responsibility, or the programmatic activation, uh, which is both for the direct sold business as well as any third-party demand that may come through uh, open market or or private marketplace deals. Uh, uh, The normal campaign optimization and then overall yield management of the inventory. We can advance to the next slide. So as Glenn pointed out uh, from that article in Folio a year and a half ago, the, uh, the, 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 the critical nature of these ad operations uh, is, has gone from this administrative function to a new set of skills that are both technical, analytical, and strategic. Uh, one comment in that article, that goes on to say that it is important for the sales team and the ad operations team to be sitting at the same table so that each understand what the customer demands look like, what the capabilities are that the customer, that the, uh, the, the publishing company has, uh, and to have a very close alignment between the two groups. So let's uh, discuss the state of AdOps with our panel. So as we uh, go around uh, and we get started, uh, before you answer the questions, I'm going to ask the panelists just to talk a bit about their experiences in this pandemic, the changing work environment, and uh, maybe some of the changes they've seen with their their customers. Uh, but in particular, how they've how they've been able to uh, uh, overcome some of the challenges related to uh, the, this work environment with the pandemic. So first, uh, go to the next slide, Glenn. <laughs>
1: Well, I think we want to ask Reggie why don't we just go around the our panelists and say what's yeah let's, we can go around yeah let's go around how's the pandemic more. impacted Reggie what what's it been like
3: <laughs> um as I'm sure it has been for everyone it's been tough you know we uh from a business perspective um we, we've seen a, a decline from the the chart that you showed earlier you know I think the, the entire industry is, is facing those same challenges um but from a bandwidth perspective, right? Because you then have to take actions when you lose business um, to your staffing. So we've had several staffing changes, um, but still, you know, we have a high level of, of activity. Um, so I, I guess the one area where we have seen growth is our COVID related content. Um, so that has really given us the opportunity to, to scale and try and figure out how we can monetize programmatically. Um, alternatively, we need to have more hands on deck for our remaining uh, direct buys um, and, and making sure that we're excluding it and keeping away from that content. No one seems to want to be affiliated with anything COVID related. So, um, you know, I think those are our biggest challenges, right? It's, it's bandwidth. It's, it's how to monetize um, spikes in traffic due to COVID related content, but then also managing our direct sales and, and um, keeping them. Separate from content that might not necessarily be deemed as, um, I guess, brand safe. Interesting. Uh,
1: Jeff? Yeah,
4: I mean, I, I can echo uh, a lot of what Reggie said. A, a couple a couple interesting things that we saw as a team, um, just, just with the operation side of things. We were in an interesting position because we were rushing uh, some new products to market to try to capitalize on... Where advertisers were spending their money, whether that was with, uh, you know, webinars and digital events, and and specifically lead gen operations, uh, and some products that we had that would would make use of that spike in demand. So we had new products coming on. We also had drops in um, in staffing, uh, and we had less campaigns um running so it it was an interesting balance trying to shift people's responsibilities and luckily we have a team that um is quite versed in a bunch of different areas so we could mix and match the the pieces together just to get everything rolling but um i think in in some sense the bar um was actually a little bit lower i think because everyone's in the same thing so maybe people aren't expecting as much um, and because there was less campaign volume, we we're able to focus really on the ones that we did, have, um, that we did have, um, and, and score some really big wins. So, uh, a, a, a lot of good, a lot of bad all at the same time.
1: And both of you are in, uh, New York city, I presume. I don't know, Reggie, if you're in Jersey or in New York, but
3: New Jersey, uh, back,
1: New Jersey or, okay, you're out in Secaucus, uh, back to work in the office yet, or is that still something further out?
3: No, I think we're kind of playing it by ear, listening to um, you know all regulations that are coming out. But um, we're a digital business, so you know if we have a connection, I think we're online as soon as we can, can get up. All
4: right. Yeah, and Jeff? I'm in uh, I'm in Cincinnati actually. Um, oh, okay. Headquarters are in New York. I'm in Cincinnati. Uh, our office has been open for uh, it's actually just across the river in Erlanger, Kentucky. Um, We've been doing split shift, so some some folks have week one, some folks have week two, and you've got to go through all the paperwork and sign in, take your temperature, all that stuff. Uh, I have not gone back to the office, and I don't think very many people have, um, although with our office specifically, there there are some uh, some different departments like uh, accounting and uh, and some of the HR people that, that rely on that infrastructure there, uh, so they have been
1: going in, but I have not. And Bob, how are things out in Cleveland?
5: Yeah, so office-wise we have a skeleton crew back in back in the building but you know by and large we are uh, we're not yet back Um, you know and I don't think we plan on being back uh, anytime soon but you know business-wise You know, very similar to what uh, Reggie and Jeff talked about. Uh, You know, you really saw seize up, if you will, of the market back in uh, March and April. Uh, You know, but then, you know, we saw a lot of really strong activity coming on through, um, you know, June and July and August. Uh, You know, so now we're at the point where it's, uh, I think, similar to what Jeff said. It's as much new product development as you can, you know, conceptualize and uh flesh out the details on and get out to the market as quickly as possible and then try to figure out how you're going to execute it once you sell it um you know because it's clearly gotten more challenging to collect revenue right now and uh you know but we're still seeing that the market is very interested in new innovative ideas and many of those are digital at their core right
1: and paul how's the corona impacted your ops um so we've had a
6: a unique experience i think given that we are a consulting company and a technology company we've experienced a little bit different than our our actual publishers uh first off uh just from a work-wise i mean we were already set up to work virtually right so it was a pretty easy transition uh, to us to continue to work with our clients virtually so it'll actually allowed us to connect with them much more on a personal level and through through a lot of video uh conferencing so it strengthened a lot of our relationships um but i guess from a revenue perspective early March it looked like the world was caving in on us right our our revenue is very much tied to our publishers revenue so we dropped quite significantly almost 75% overnight Um, so we were definitely um, a little chaotic and trying to figure out what the next move was Um, however what interestingly what happened over the next few weeks and months is that it opened up new opportunities for us so we got a lot of consulting opportunities a lot of publishers coming to us saying hey and we figure out how to squeeze more revenue out of programmatic or direct or whatever it may be so a lot of publishers started to reevaluate how they were doing things which ended up bringing us a lot more business um, so we actually quite significantly grew our business over the past few months um, and then the market um, itself started to get a little bit more lucrative um, we're seeing a lot of new advertisers we're seeing a lot of different spend um, so overall uh, we have come out much stronger Um, I would say the biggest issues have been the uncertainty for us. We're not able to predict our revenue like we once were able to. It's very, it fluctuates. Um, You know, it used to be very cut and dry quarterly. We knew what was going to happen. We knew what the CPMs were. Now it literally shifts from week to week. So that's been a little bit of a challenge for us. Um, But uh, overall, I feel like we're in a a pretty good spot now.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: All right. So, Scott, I'll turn it back over to you and
6: we've got our questions.
2: All right. Well, Jeff, let's get started. Uh, how, how, is, as, how has ALM organized its resources? Maybe you can talk about at a high level how you've organized and then in, in the face of, of changing responsibilities, how you're looking at supporting the business in today's world.
4: Right. Um, so at a high level. Um, we're pretty much set up with the traditional operations model. You know we have our our sales and and we have our account managers that help the salespeople get the orders sold. you know when we're talking about our digital media, whether that's a, a programmatic direct campaign, whether that is um, somebody buys a newsletter or or a webinar or a lead gen, um, customer service uh, uh, support reps. Uh, taking care of that and interfacing with trafficking to make sure so that sales can do what they do right so they they can make the the sale and move on and bring in new business and and we handle all the all the back end um something that's a little bit different about us uh the way that we've moved from when we used to be all in-house operations um and a number of years ago actually before i came on they kind of adopted a split model where where the bulk of our ops, whether that's trafficking newsletters or banners, um, is all off-site, uh, and we use a, a support teams to do all of the heavy lifting. And it's QAing campaigns, whether that is, uh, you know, reaching out for creative to advertisers, all all of that traditional ops stuff. Uh, And then on my team, I have two very experienced folks that have been with the the company that know inside and out. They know their sites, they know the traffic flows, they know everything, and they are responsible for working within their own market. So we've got the, at ALM, we've got uh, two different sides. Basically, we've got financial and legal, and then we've got real estate and, and insurance and HR and that kind of stuff on the other side. So they can specialize not only in their sites and doing kind of the high-level ops stuff, but also working with the teams responsible for doing all the work. So in a sense, they're uh, a combination project manager, product manager, and operations all at the same time. Um, it's a little bit different, I think, for someone, uh, a publisher our size. Uh, but, but one of the things that has really helped during the time of COVID uh, is because a lot of this was off-site, uh, we were able to scale accordingly um, we were able to cut back a little bit on our service contracts we didn't we weren't faced necessarily with having to cut a large number of staff because we didn't have the revenue to support it um, that's one way that I think we've been able to uh, to kind of keep our head above water and shift very quickly um, because we've been able to to do this now um, moving on a little bit my 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 role is, Is a little bit different um as well because i come from a traditional ops background but i also uh, am working like i I spoke earlier about the um, the products that we're developing Um, so i I sit with a a a sales enablement marketing services product development team um, and we've got a, a a bunch of different folks on that um team with with multiple um uh, backgrounds in multiple different areas um, that, that kind of allows us to move very quick um, to roll things out and then go to the folks that are responsible for their individual areas um, whether that is a, a, an editorial team or a a lead gen team we've got them broken up separately um, lead gen and webinars and custom programs and emails are all siloed individually but then the the um, the the, the the sales enablement and the product development team can work with each each of those uh, folks to help get projects off the ground. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I spoke I spoke a little bit about uh, you know moving quickly. It's really important to have I think uh, folks that can kind of jump uh, back and forth. But but having uh, an in house expert uh, for everything isn't not isn't necessarily you know, we talk about all the technologies. It's okay to not be, not uh, not have your hands in everything. Um, seek out those vendor relationships with people that do what they do well. We don't have a programmatic expert on our on our team, uh, and uh, we rely on on a, a vendor relationship to help manage that stack for us. Uh, that's that's one example. We do have folks that are highly skilled in lead gen and webinar and custom development. So uh, at ALM, those you know we don't need to outsource any of that stuff. Um, so so I think I, I think having having a, a good mix is, is healthy as a publisher, and also allows you to to kind of move quickly when when necessary.
2: Well, thanks, Jeff. And it's interesting, it sounds like you've taken a lot of the tactical functions that are repetitive, you've outsourced those so that folks in-house can can spend attention on the the higher-value, more strategic uh, part of the business. Absolutely correct. Great. And Bob, uh, as as the guy who's interfacing and and chasing customers and, um, and revenue, Uh, you you talked about rolling out new products and solutions. What are you seeing as the big friction points between what your customers want and what you're delivering?
5: Yeah, um, I don't think all that earth shattering. I mean, the the customers are trying to get more and more targeted and and more and more focused, you know, with their buys. Uh, You know, the challenges that creates for us, you know, are... uh, you know multiple uh, you know from a sales standpoint what it generally means is you know we're gonna even if we're getting higher cpms you know for a more targeted focused audience we're gonna have to book more sales to sell the same volume um to sell the same number of impressions whether it's user especially on the website um but it also creates operational challenges for us because the level of detail that goes back and forth in the sales conversation continues to increase. You know, it's just a client calling up and saying, "Hey, I want to place an ad on your website. This is good. I'll run for 30 days and talk to you next month." You know, now it's, "I, I want it targeted here, so I want to reach." You know, we play a specialty agriculture world largely, so I want to reach these growers producing these crops in these geographies. How many impressions am I going to get? You know, which then sends the sales rep back to you know, to, to a support team. You know, the reps aren't gonna know, aren't gonna be able to accurately project you know, every number of impressions on every permutation a client comes up with. Uh, you know, so, and of course, salespeople need every answer immediately because when the client's asking questions, you know, they're on the line. The last thing you wanna do is tell the client you'll get back to them in three or four days. You know, so there's, there's more detail that the sales team needs than ever before. It, it's detail that they need someone to provide to them and because of the economic challenges we're all facing, the reps are under more pressure, so they want everything faster. Um, you know, so there's no question the reps are looking for more from, um, you know, our, our in-house support team. But at the same time, then the, you know, I think it's important to note that the friction like I said goes both ways, um, and I sort of become the bridge where I mean, what do I, you know, just the other day I got an email from our in-house team you know, asking me to remind our sales reps what our process is, how we handle a certain, you know, type of deliverable. Um, you know, they expect me to speak to the reps for them uh, and sort of be that conduit. But, you know, there's more pressure put on the team. You know, they're looking for reps to learn, you know, for example, not a really unrealistic expectation, but it can be a challenging one because the reps have so much coming at them you know but the in-house team is saying okay this is the way we're going to serve these ads or if this is the way we're going to you know segment this website you know the reps really need to understand this we we can't be covering the same ground over and over we can't be making the same mistakes or asking the same questions because that's just not efficient and efficiency is such a challenge for all of us right now you know i think just because of the the stress and the demand so a lot of times i feel like the kid maybe in the at home in a little bit of a warring marriage, you know, where I'm trying to stand between parties and make sure everybody's happy and understanding each other's perspective. Um, because there's no question, it it has gotten more challenging in the last couple of years.
2: So ur- urgency, a higher degree of measurement and uh, specific tactical execution, uh, and, you know, pre- pressure on everyone, right? And, and it's all in cha- a changing landscape. is as has been said day to day.
5: Yeah, every time you feel like you've uh, kind of got your arms around it, you know, the game changes on you. So you're, you're constantly playing chase.
3: Yeah,
2: A great, great segue. Reggie, uh, how have the advertiser demands changed at Northstar?
3: Uh, for me, you know, I think with me coming from a B2C background, I think I'm finding that, on the b2b side that it's becoming more aligned with our our b2c counterparts um in in two areas uh transparency transparency is probably the most important thing whether that's through reporting uh brand safety fraud viewability ivt um you know those are the terms that we're we're constantly hearing on um you know some of these larger buys um where you know we really have to be able to uh, have some sort of uh person knowledge base, you know, understanding what all of these things mean, having those vendor relationships to be able to execute on the publisher side. Um, so transparency is, is is huge. I mean, even something at, that we're working on right now, and um, being a part of a directory, um, a part of TAG, uh, Trustworthy Accountability Group, I believe, um, where you know they're basically validating us as a publisher to um, through an SSP or, you know, to a a direct buyer to say that, hey, you know, Northstar has done their due diligence. Um, They're monitoring for malware, piracy, um, fraud, anything like that. So transparency is is paramount. Um, And similar to what Bob said, um, advertisers want more, uh, more ability to engage with your our our audience um so being more targeted whether that's location-based targeting behavioral um you know so leveraging all first-party data has been something that we've seen more and more um, so i think those two things are probably the biggest areas of um you know where our business is going in transparency and, and audience targeting.
2: yeah it's interesting i i re- remember a uh, number of several years ago, when I would talk to publishers about viewability, about the IBT and, and various metrics, I, I would often hear from B2B publishers or, or get a, a blank stare, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. and, and those were pretty ubiquitous in the B2C space, but you're right, um, we, we often see that in B2B, the advertiser demands uh, may have, may lag, uh, but they, send, they tend to follow the same path that the, uh, the B2C counterparts uh, do as well. And Paul, you, uh, your, your business, uh, both in terms of your support of ad ops uh, managing direct business as well as, as programmatic, and then of course through the media exchange and you, have, you work with some other uh, cooperatives in supporting programmatic connections, uh, what do you see as, as a common challenge that publishers face as they, they look at plugging in new capabilities?
6: Yes, yeah, so I think it goes back to what, what Glenn and, and Scott, you said earlier in the call about the uh, the ever-changing role of ad ops and kind of how important it is now. So, you know, uh, when I started first in person this career 16 years ago, I started at Time Inc. when they were moving print over to digital. Uh, and at that time, you know, it was simple as like a, a you know, a handshake. You, uh, you know, had a deal with an advertiser gave it to the AdOps person, they threw it on the site and and that was it, right? Now it's becoming so much more complex um, where there's viewability metrics, there's third-party vendors um, to to deal with. Um, There is, you know, um, the AdOps team needs to be the liaison between the dev team um, to be able to speak that technical language. They also need to be able to, you know, speak the language with the sales team and the media planning team and and forecasting. Um, And now the AdOps role is kind of, in charge of keeping an ecosystem that can both maximize the direct sales and then also maximize the programmatic sales since a lot of these budgets now are shifting from direct into programmatic and programmatic direct and private marketplace um, it's being ever so more important to be able to keep a clean infrastructure and ecosystem um, to be able to maximize publishers overall revenue um, so where I see kind of a, a lot of the issues when we're working with publishers are, you know, in order to kind of satisfy all these roles, there is a need to have either an all-star ad ops team that could kind of do this all or build a pretty robust team where you have your, you know, your programmatic experts, you have your your dev ed tech experts, um, you have your, your direct sale brand management and custom sponsorship experts. Um, and quite frankly, the publish a lot of publishers we work with cannot support those types of robust teams. So it's becoming um, you know more important than ever to be able to have those resources, to be able to manage everything from more of a holistic perspective, um, and be able to bring in all, various sources of revenue um, from direct to sponsorship to programmatic to private marketplace and so on um, and then be able to liaison between all of the various nuances of of the technologies out there now um, so you know we see obviously there's different ad servers depending on if it's display email and video those are all separate technologies that an ad ops team needs to work with um, you know we see header bidding technologies we see publishers working with 15-plus different supply-side platforms and server-to-server connections. Um, it, it's become a monumental task to, for a, the publisher to really manage all this and make sure that their site is still running as efficiently as possible and you're still worried about user experience and all that. Um, so it's, uh, o- overall, the system has gotten uh, quite complex. But the way I look at it is um, it's an opportunity now to bring in multiple sources of revenue if the publisher can, um, you know, have the right kind of, um, you know, manpower in place to be able to make that happen.
2: Uh, Changes, change, 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 right? Uh, So kind of open up to to the group, I've got a, a few questions. How has the interaction changed between your ops teams and your sales teams? just looking back over the last 12 months?
3: I can take it. Reggie, take it first. Yeah, sure. Um, I think sales and ops will always have somewhat of a contentious relationship, right? Still going back to Bob's comments about the friction between teams. Um, you have, on one hand, one group that can basically sell everything, including the kitchen sink, with impunity. And then you have a- another group that's charged with safeguarding the inventory and creating the most value out of it. So, you know those are kind of on opposite sides of the fence but still working towards the same goal um, so for us you know what we've tried to do is open the lines of communication um you know i think historically you know it, it was what uh paul said right like we'll send you something from a sales perspective we'll send it to ops put it up and that's it but now you know there, there's kpis that need to be tended to there's um Third-party partnerships that need to be brought in. So, you know, there needs to be adops consultation prior to the sale, um, while the, the the communication is going on consistently with an account manager and salesperson, um, and to help manage that, what we've done is to try to create training sessions for the sales team, training sessions for adops, um, some both together, you know, whether that's around specific products, around KPIs. Um, you know we've had training sessions around viewability like what questions do the sales team um, have to ask you know in in the conversation with with the client to really understand what we're working towards because then you know we're not just putting something up we're optimizing towards it we want to yield a better performance um, so uh, we've we've increased communication and I think that's what we focused on primarily for the last twelve months um, and I think it's put us in a better position.
4: How about you, Jeff? Yeah, I was going to jump in on that as well. I, I think education is important. Um, we we actually do a, an every Friday thing with, with all of the sales team uh, called Deep Dives. And we've had folks from Moat in to, to kind of talk about viewability and, and explain things. We've had specific um, sessions on specific products and the questions that should be asked and, and done role playing. So. From a product development standpoint, what are the things that that you need to know um, so that you can sell this to your you know, to your clients um, and to your advertisers? Uh, the other thing that I think is really interesting that's happened during COVID is you know there aren't those in person sales meetings, right? So the meetings became virtual, and because of that, Ops was able to attend when necessary, and we can we can add to the conversation at an early level whether that's pushing a new product um and i think the sales team started to see the value in in having us around uh and really it helped strengthen relationships we're sitting on sales meetings weekly sales meetings um to kind of go through campaigns and and talk about you know everything from pacing to to challenges that we're seeing and where opportunities are analyzing traffic and looking at at what content is being consumed so so where are the opportunities right now because we're looking for every possible um inroad that we can make um since since sales are so tough right now so i think it's really helped
3: yeah
2: and, and bob
4: uh sounds like you you
2: spend some time playing referee between the the two groups uh, how how has it changed over over the last few months
5: you know i, I think the biggest thing over the last you know our our changes were really 12 to 24 months ago and truth be told you know we came to the conclusion that we had to um give again what we'll call the the ops or the dev side of the house you know a stronger voice in some things um in particular new product development uh you know you're just so strapped for resources from a personnel standpoint and you know our different publishing groups in many ways operate as their own businesses their own fiefdoms you know for legitimate reasons but so a lot of times they would want to have their own products and it just got to a point where too many things were looking too different from each other and it was getting away from us and it was creating real sort of back house operational and execution challenges and you know like i said so we had to give the other side uh, of the equation you know a little more weight a little more voice um, you know, formalize what what our new product development process looks like. We're not always great about following every step of the process, but at least now we make sure the people are in the room and have a chance to weigh in on the on whatever the new digital product is before it's going out and taken to market. So I think that's been the biggest for us is just giving those guys a, a greater voice in the in the new product development process.
2: Tighter collaboration across the groups, right? We're trying. So, looking ahead over the next 12 months, what are the what are your priorities? that just go around. Uh, Reggie, you want to start?
3: Yeah, sure. Product development, um, education for coming back after COVID. Um, so, you know, for us, we're the travel industry. Um, I think it, while the the direct spend has decreased, it's it's the opportunities that we're creating for our sales team to um, help educate our clients on you know the the climate and how to help start to integrate people back into to their destinations um or or meeting spaces um and you know really just having the the products that are non-traditional you know thinking outside of it so i think we've probably created six or seven new I would say relatively unique products um, in the last six months, and that's continuing on for the next next six months um, that I think will be most effective. So really, it's stabilizing where we are with our direct sales um, and continuing to push and improve on on new product development. Bob.
5: Yeah. I mean, obviously without being flip about it, it's, obviously, you know, driving revenue, right? I mean, the challenges this year um, you know, are, are pretty real. I, I think for us, you know, we do have, we look at our customer groups sort of very general buckets. I mean, so what is with the existing folks, how can we be smart and strategic to try and increase their spend? You know, every bit as important, if not more important, is increasing the number of customers have who are buying digital from us uh you know we've got we seem to have encountered a bit of a ceiling um, of about 40 percent of our you know print and event customers also buy digital from us you know we really need to break through that number uh grow that number and get more clients comfortable with digital again playing in in the ag markets where we're at you know we we deal with a lot of clients where there's no agencies involved they're they're not always as savvy sophisticated when it comes to digital marketing as we would like they understand print they understand trade shows so we have a real educational um, burden upon us and we've got to figure out ways to to like I said break through that ceiling and get more get more business from more clients you know 2021
2: what about at ALM
5: so um... Yeah, I,
4: I, I feel like because of the, the, the focus that we've, we're seeing in, in more targeted data uh, and, and also what's going on with first versus third party cookies, um, one of the things we're looking to do is is not only leverage the data that we already have, but how to grow that, um, whether that's more data points on our existing audience, bringing in new audience uh, and being able to to capture that. Um, capture those relationships and use that data in new ways, whether that's fueling new products or connecting, um, connecting the dots where we haven't before uh, through programmatic, through ABM, uh, through on-site content consumption. Um, the more that we have to, to offer uh, in that, you know, in that realm, uh, the better off we're going to be. We know, you know, the shift um, that we're seeing from your traditional run-of-site buy. Uh, for banners too. well, I only want these people from these companies, or I only want these decision makers, Um, and the filtering that's going on, um, you know, on the advertiser side where they they already have an audience, uh, they need new people, or they need data points that they don't have, or that they can't get elsewhere, they need the publisher to do that. So I think that's a big thing for us. and, and and moving toward more of a subscriber model um, is something that we're we're talking about. We have it on a number of sites right now, um, but there's a lot of audience that comes that we don't really know who they are, other than anonymously they've looked at this or they've done that, um, and and being able to to really reach out and, and tie those pieces together.
2: Yeah, well, I've got two more questions. I'll just combine them. Uh, what are the what, what are the resources and skill sets that you're missing in-house and, and how do you go about uh, uh, supporting these businesses and these challenges uh, differently moving ahead from from what you've done in the past? Anyone want to take it first?
5: Yeah, I'll jump in. You know, I mean, I think a, a big part of it in terms of what we're trying to develop is sales acumen. I mean, I think that's a never ending, um, challenge and that's not meant in any way to be a criticism you know of our account team because i feel like we've made tremendous progress you know over the last couple of years but as i alluded to earlier the the digital world that we're selling in just keeps changing so fast and the questions that the account managers are fielding from clients you know is getting more and more focused uh, more and more technical um, you know and there's just the reps have to know more this isn't just the old know your media kit understand your bpa statement and you're you're good to go um you know so i mean you know jeff you know your point earlier about the deep dives you guys are doing on fridays um you know we've tried to do something similar not with that kind of frequency you know i'm pulling teeth to get everybody in a room or now on a on a zoom every once a month um but just trying to do all sales learning sessions where i'm just trying to come up with a different topic something else that even if we've covered it a year and a half ago, let's let's review it. The team has changed. The product has changed. You know, That so that education um, to make the reps really comfortable so that they're really going out and presenting a strong digital story from the get-go is, um, you know, a key challenge still for us.
2: Jeff, what are you looking at differently at, at ALM? Um,
4: so so really one of the things that that we've noticed a big opportunity it, it it may seem you know obvious but um but with social um and combining that with our our current um display strategies uh and display products um and and we we don't have uh from a sales focused side we have internal experts at social but we don't have sales focused um folks people internal people who understand and can and can can do the heavy lifting. Uh, we've seen with a lot of the the vendors that we've used in the past to support this that this is something that we could do internally. There's enough demand for it to warrant our own department. We could outsource it, but I think I feel like that's one of the places where we can really make some margin um, and and have in-house experts really develop something, have hands on. so um, that's one of the things that we're looking at. Um, as well as having programmatic experts to go along with the vendors, um, you know I, I have some background in it, but I'm not an expert by any by any stretch. So as we start to come back, those are the places where I really feel like we can we can expand with some some in-house talent.
2: And Reggie, uh, North
4: Star travel has probably been affected
2: as much as as any sector um, in this particular pandemic. What are your priorities ahead and and, and what do you look to do differently?
3: Um, programmatic is definitely a priority, us trying to educate internally um, and really make ourselves available in more uh, more places, um, but also kind of going back to what Jeff was saying about uh, leveraging some of the uh, vendor partners and having them come in and lead training sessions. I think that's tremendously valuable, and that's probably something that we are going to want to do um, moving forward because, you know, I can shout these things till I'm blue in the face, but you know, it, there might be more value in, in coming from you know a different voice. Um so I think that's something great that ALM is doing and we'll probably look to implement that as well.
2: It kind of sounds like parenting. Always <laughs> you somebody else give your kids advice.
3: Right. Uh,
4: so you know the, these these
2: themes and Glenn we can skip down a, a two slides. Uh, these themes are pretty common from what we hear from working with members, member publishers within the media exchange and, and BPA at large uh, needs for more training across sales and out operations, greater pressure and demands from the market and uh, certainly economic pressure, um, trying to do more with less. We have uh, worked with MediaFuse over over the summer to come up with a program to help fill in these gaps uh, whether those gaps are in the area of ad operations, uh, sales training, we've done some sales training uh, with uh, with certain publishers where we've come in and, and done a, a session with their team. So we've put together a more organized program to help, uh, help supplement what publishers are doing internally. On the ad ops side. Uh, uh, the, the areas are assessing the ad tech stack and, and helping publishers with optimization, uh, working with them to expand those revenue opportunities, which include programmatic, but even go beyond that, uh, looking at leveraging additional assets that they already have and, and putting, helping them put those together and then supporting the, the, act, the execution of that. Uh, maintaining the compliance with the industry standards, as an example, uh, I think many people are aware we published an open letter back in June that talked about the misuse of uh, audience data from the bidstream. And we hear a lot of publishers may have said, "Well, that's exactly why I didn't want to get into programmatic because I didn't want my my data uh, stolen." And the reality is that when there is a leak, uh, the leak affects all publishers, whether they are connected to programmatic. So we're putting some time and attention into. Uh, creating a collaborative effort around defining new set of standards on how publisher audience data can be used to make sure that it's clear and there is publisher consent whenever that data is outside of of maybe the original intended purpose. Uh, Leveraging and and protecting your digital assets. So having having a team as, as has been shared by the panel that is looking at where the market is going, what those expectations and demands are, making sure that you have the tech stack and the capabilities to support it, and uh, and all within the, the realm of, of compliance with the industry standards. And we can go to the next slide, Glenn. So when we look at uh, within the services that we provide, Glenn, can you advance, there we go. Uh, just it, Yeah, it, there was just a delay. Uh, so getting very tactically on this, we look at the list of, of functions and skills within an ops infrastructure. You've got your direct business, uh, which is pretty pretty common for most publishers to support. Campaign border management, trafficking, uh, QA of the creative, uh, some ad product development, and then programmatic implementation. Uh, the uh, activating deal IDs, setting up the connections to the various SSPs, or implementing header bidder implement, header bidder tech, uh, and then overall yield management of the inventory, and then uh, the, the the inventory management itself, uh, looking at the assets, the data assets, the audience, um, inventory op- optimizations, ad server management. So these are all functions and skills that have to be supported. And the question becomes, how much of that can we do in-house, how much of that um, makes less sense for us to do in-house where we can have a vendor do it, where we can lower some of our risk, create some redundancies with these repetitive, more tactical functions, and have a, a steward that is keeping, keeping us uh, organizationally up to speed on, on the latest industry standards and, and, uh, and requirements. So we can advance to the next slide. With the program that we've put together with MediaFuse, uh, MediaFuse has a background in providing outsourced ad ops functions. And it's not just limited to programmatic, it's both uh, uh, programmatic and the more direct conventional trafficking of campaigns. And so the program that we put together really is designed to go into a publisher scope out where they have gaps where they want to spend their resources internally and where we can help complement that with the services that are at, that, that are, are serviced by by us collectively BPA and, and MediaFuse Feuds. Uh, the group here uh, that you see this is Paul's senior team he does have uh, one more person that that recently joined but this is the this is the team based here in the US that's interfacing directly with the publishers But there's an entire back office, uh, offshore team, uh, one group that focuses on on development, the other on ad operations. So it's highly scalable and we can support this at a pretty favorable uh, cost basis uh, for our members as part of uh, being a part of of BPA and, and our membership. We can advance to the next slide and I'll just open it up here for questions. Glenn, shots. Do we any any questions?
0: Yep, we've got audience? a few. We've got a few. Uh, first one. Um, I think this goes back to what Jeff was talking about and, and Bob as well. Uh, education sounds great. Has anyone done sessions for clients to learn about AdOps? Ops, for example, why they cannot use certain tags in emails, et cetera?
3: <laughs> um, yeah great
2: great question and we have done some of that i'm gonna let paul salamoni speak to this because newsletters is something uh that they've been increasingly involved with
6: yeah so so that that is definitely a focus of ours so really one our main objective as a company is to be able to both educate the publisher and and their client on the various technologies and how to maximize you know both direct sales and programmatic sales so uh we, we do uh, a lot of those sessions where we just come in and kind of educate the publisher and, and their client on the various technologies um in particular with email um i, I alluded to this earlier in the call but they are completely separate technologies so they're separate exchanges they are separate types of tags um so email is almost a completely separate business as display there are different players there are different vendors there are different advertisers uh different types of technologies so Uh, it's very different. Um, Same with on the video side, right? Same deal, different players, different technology. So those three have to be looked at uh, very differently and and you need a specific skill set for each. Reggie, you'd mentioned, uh, you made a comment about some training
2: that you've done at Northstar.
3: Yes. um, So we do internal training. We haven't done anything client related just yet, but Actually, when I was at IBM, we did host um, monthly training sessions for our clients. So, um, you know, I think that is tremendously valuable, especially when you're dealing with with clients direct as opposed to agencies, um, you know, just to kind of give a little bit of handholding and, and walking them through. And I think it provides more value for them as well. You know, they uh, they tend to, to trust you more um, with the execution of their programs if they know that you're willing to educate them along. Um, with what you're doing,
2: I think Bob, Bob you're on mute. I hear, I, I, see Bob's lips moving.
5: Yeah, sorry, sorry about that. Someone's got to do it with every video call these days, right? Um, you know, the one thing I would ask, we haven't done any client-facing training with, um, you know, on the more technical side, like tags, for example. The one thing that has gotten us a lot of mileage is every two years or so. We do a pretty comprehensive research effort of our audiences in terms of what sort of trends are taking place in terms of how our audiences engage with different media and how they consume content. Um, you know, and then that really, like I said, opens a lot of doors for us. It's a sort of information It creates a great opportunity to go out and have that sort of educational dialogue that elevates your client's perception of you, as Reggie alluded to. Uh, you know, we deliver the content once through a webinar to which we invite all clients, but then, you know, we probably do three or four dozen client-specific presentations of that research content afterwards. Um, you know, so it's a different type of training. It's technical in nature, but, you know, we we love the value we get from it.
0: Great, Glenn? Another question, this is, uh, I think, for Reggie. Uh, can you give examples of some of the non traditional products you're working on for the coming months?
3: Yes, sure. Um, so, most recently, we've launched, I'll, I'll talk about what we've launched already. Um, we're leveraging virtual reality, I guess, if you will, um, in, in creating a, what, what we call now a 360E product. Um, majority of our clients are either travel destinations or um, meeting venues so having the ability to be able to um, interact with that property through an ad is is one of the things that we um, you know wanted to put out in the marketplace so we recently developed in the last six or seven months have developed and rolled out our 360e product which is a virtual experience of a specific destination and um, something that that has been around for a while we've, we've gotten more into native and opening that up um and then we're starting to create more um high impact units uh, we, we just developed a what's called an eclipse unit something that overtakes the page very um very old model in terms of having something that overtakes the page but the the interactivity of it is i think what's new. the, the ability to um you know, play around with with the ad experience based off of the user's data. Um, so those are three of kind of the, the larger products that we've worked on recently. Um, and I think we have a few that are in the queue that we'll maybe talk about at our next uh, BPA session. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't wanna give all your secrets away, Reggie, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one more question. Uh, for you Scott and or Paul uh, can you assist I guess this is about the, the BPA ops can you assist in all aspects of that ops or just execution
2: it's all aspects uh, it, it's everything from the tech stack assessment optimization ad server setup uh, all kinds of technical stuff that uh, I'll, I'll lead to Paul to, to address um, and and then execution so, there, it's not a cookie cutter approach. Uh, we get with the publisher, find out where their pain points are, and then we uh, we we have the collective resources to to apply the attention on whatever those areas are. And Paul, you want to speak in it that in more detail?
6: Yeah, you hit it right on the head. But I would say, you know, what, what makes us unique is uh, we we come from it from a consultative perspective. So it, we're, we're a hybrid model between a uh, consulting team, um, an execution team, and we also have our own technology on top of it. Um, and what makes us uh, so powerful is that we work with hundreds of, of publishers uh, this year alone. So we see what works, what doesn't work, um, and we're involved in a lot of the, the various strategies. So what we bring to our clients is basically a, a full view on you know, on strategy, technology, implementation, support, um, you know, whatever it may be that is involved in, You know, monetizing a site properly.
1: And I might add in, you know, that I use the words, expression, gap analysis. I mean, it all starts with a gap analysis. The publisher would invite us in and we would do an assessment and help the publisher understand where the pain points are, some of which they might not even be aware of due to the ever changing and emerging technology. And I would say, you know, that's one of the things we've learned with the BPA media exchange over the last couple of years is that the, the knowledge, gap or or the the tiers of knowledge between different members of BPA is rather substantial. So some could use a lot of assist and some don't need so much. And so we thought that we would create an offering for our members in the co-op to use what they need and not require them to use everything. (laughs)
6: Yeah, and Glenn, I think that's a great point. Uh, you know, that's how we approach each engagement. First is to do that holistic look at okay, what do you have going on? Where are your needs? Where are your gaps? And then how do we customize this engagement to make sure that you're maximizing, you know, uh, the the uh, relationship.
1: Yeah, and where we find that the volume would require in-house resource, I mean, we say that this is what you need to yeah. do. You need to insource this. Whereas you don't have as much volume or. You have some knowledge, but not 100% knowledge. You ought to outsource to fill that gap.
2: Yeah, and I know that Paul has had uh, certain clients where you've even helped define the role and help with the recruitment. Yep. Right.
6: Yeah, it, exactly. So that, that's something that we offer too, is kind of like you said earlier, is, is build, see where those gaps are. And if, if it's something as, hey, listen, you need an in-house expert in this field, you know, we're going to recommend that. We could help, even help build those teams for you and, and the strategy surrounding that.
0: Right. It looks like that's looks like that's it for the questions.
2: Okay, great. Well, I want to thank the panel for for sticking with us and really appreciate the uh, uh, their participation and uh...
0: Thanks for listening to this BPA University podcast. For more BPA University podcasts, visit iTunes. Google Podcasts, and Spotify.